Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring sermons drawn from our pastoral staff and various guest preachers. Today we're continuing in our sermon series, turning our attention back from the many crises that have demanded our responses over the last couple of years and turning our attention back toward our future, looking again with fresh eyes at who God is calling us to be in this world that has been so drastically changed by recent events. Today, we are going to be looking at Ezra 5, verses 11 through 17. And as we continue in this story of Ezra and Nehemiah, as we follow along with the Israelites who were sent back to Jerusalem to rebuild after the exile, we see that we're in another part of correspondence. There's a lot of writing that's going back and forth between the leaders of Israel and the king of uh, Persia. And so this is one of those back and forths where the Israelites are responding to accusations that their neighbors have been making to the Persian king that they should not be rebuilding Jerusalem. And so this is what they say back to them as they continue in this struggle to fulfill God's calling. They say, this was their reply to us. So this is, this is the Israelites' reply to the people that were at the kingdom. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our ancestors had angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house, and carried away the people to Babylonia. However, King Cyrus of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, made a decree that this house of God should be rebuilt. Moreover, the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem and had brought into the temple of Babylon, these King Cyrus took out of the temple of Babylon and they were delivered to a man named Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. He said to him, take these vessels, go and put them in the temple in Jerusalem and let the house of God be rebuilt on its site. Then this Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God in Jerusalem. And from that time until now, it has been under construction and it is not yet finished. And now, if it seems good to the king, have a search made in the royal archives there in Babylon to see whether a decree was issued by King Cyrus for the rebuilding of this house of God in Jerusalem. Let the king send us his pleasure in this matter. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, it is for your voice and your truth that we pray and long. 
speak to us in a way that we can hear you and move and press your word upon us so that we might be filled with courage to be your people who respond to what you ask us to do, who live as fully as you ask us to live, and who share that fullness with each person we meet. This we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In 2003, there was a movie released called Big Fish, and it told the story of a man named Edward Bloom. He tells Edward Bloom, it turns out, loved to share extraordinary tales with all of the people in his life. He tells the story of meeting a giant who helped to save his life, and another story about coming face to face with a witch that predicts the future, and still another story about how he swears time physically came to a stop in the first moment where he saw the love of his life. It stars Albert Finney and Ewan McGregor and and Big Fish was a marvel at the time that it came out because it has this incredible and beautiful cinematography and effects which were used to illustrate Edward Bloom's magnificent story with this out of the world beauty and wonder. As the movie goes on, we learn that Edward Bloom's stories are just exaggerations of actual events that happened in his life. And we follow along with Edward Bloom's son, Will, who is both mystified and annoyed by the degree to which everyone in Edward's life finds his exaggerations to be endearing. Will believed that Edward's exaggerated retellings of his life were nothing short of lies. How can any true relationship be based on deception? And yet, Edward's friends don't seem to see it that way. To them, Edward's ability to tell a good story increased their feelings for him, their perception of how close they were to him, and Edward's eager, steady willingness to tell a yarn endeared Edward to them with every tall tale. In 2019, researchers Holly Cole and Denise Beek decided to find out which reasoning was true. Is it Will who's right? Are exaggerations really lies that threaten our friendships and our relationships? Or was Edward right? Is exaggeration a useful tool that builds closer bonds between people? What they found out might not surprise you. We love to be deceived. The overwhelming majority of nearly 600 participants in their multiple studies reported that they felt closer to people who exaggerated their stories, even when the listener knew the unexaggerated facts of the story that was being retold. It turns out that we love a tall tale much more than we love the stark truth. And we have good reason for it. 
Because when a storyteller exaggerates their story, they're inviting us to join them as co-creators for a new reality. Because when a storyteller exaggerates their story, they're creating and recreating that environment where we feel the feelings they felt in real time, sometimes so well that we can walk away feeling like that story that we just heard is now our story too. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why we tend to exaggerate the stories in our lives. Because we long for a connection and intimacy that a good story can build between people. And yet, some reality is not meant to be exaggerated. That was found to be true in Colin Beek's study, but we know that to be true in our own lives as well, don't we? It's one thing to be told a tale about a camping trip where someone swears that they saw Bigfoot. It's another thing to be told a lie or to be gaslit about someone's true character or about something that is going to change the trajectory of our lives. Sometimes telling the absolute truth about ourselves is the most important thing that we can do. Sometimes telling the truth on ourselves is the only thing that will save our friendships and relationships or even save our lives. And see, friends, that is the situation that the Israelites find themselves in in our scripture passage for today. At this point in time, when they are writing to the king of Persia, it has been just about 40 years since they had returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, four zero, four decades. They had had to deal with three different kings in this time. They had Cyrus, who allowed them to return and start rebuilding. They had Artaxerxes, who stopped them from building. And now they are communicating with King Darius, trying to argue for the right to continue building in the face of these accusations that are being made by their neighbors, that they are doing something that they are not allowed to do. The only way to put this bickering to a stop is if the original documentation of King Cyrus's actions can be located. And so in order to do that, the Israelites have to tell the absolute truth on themselves. Not some polished up, exaggerated version of their character and their history that makes them look good, but the truth. So that when Darius looks in the records of his predecessor, he might find something that matches their record, that he might find something that affirms that his version of history and their version of history are the same. And so that's what the Israelites do. They tell the truth, even the parts that are really hard to tell. Yes, they talk about how Cyrus had given them permission to rebuild and about how he had sent along gold and silver to help them to provide resources for getting the job done. But they also told about how they had angered the God of heaven 
and about how they were overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar, about how everything was lost. I can imagine that if I were that scribe, it would have been really tempting to have sugarcoated that part just a little bit, exaggerated something here or omitted something there so that they could charm their way into having some greater favor with the king. But telling anything that would be unrecognizable to the truth just wasn't going to help them. It makes me wonder, my friends, how easy do you find it to tell the truth on yourself? The Israelites had to reckon with their past in order to move forward into the future. They couldn't keep telling the stories that would be easy for them to tell about themselves if they wanted to keep with the task that was put ahead of them. They had to reckon with their past in order to move into the future. And so it makes me wonder, have we ever had to reckon with a story in our past so that we could move ahead without shame and without fear? There are two people in my life that came to my mind that exampled this ability to tell the truth on themselves in a way that was inspiring. The first person is a friend of mine. His name is Mark. Mark and I met through his second wife, Kate. Kate and I became friends at a parenting class over a decade ago. And I remember the first time that my husband Andy and I went out to dinner with Mark and Kate as we got to know one another we came to that question about how each couple met. And Mark responded when his turn came, plainly and a little sorrowfully. He said that he had left his first wife to be with Kate. Surprised by how honest he was being, Andy and I sat there just a little too quiet and it was clear that Mark had told this story before. He went on to say that while his life was with Kate was everything that he had hoped it would be and more, he knew that he had done wrongly by his first wife. He would always regret the way that he had left. Andy and I couldn't believe it. Mark endeared himself to us almost instantly. And Andy and I, would have, had, would have many more dinners with Mark and Kate over the years. They became some of our closest friends. And I have to tell you that in the several times that that story came up in other varieties, Mark never changed his story. He always told the absolute truth on himself. And even though he was afraid to say it, and even though he was afraid we would judge them, even though he knew I was a minister and he really didn't want to tell me that, we could have never loved Mark more. That's the first person who taught me what it meant to tell the truth, the absolute truth on yourself. The second person who was gifted at telling the absolute truth about herself was actually a woman that I have never met. Her name was Pam Franklin, and I officiated her funeral at the request of one of my congregants. Pam was a long-haul truck driver who came to faith when she entered the recovery community. She very famously, when she became a Christian, put Jesus is love on the side of her long-haul truck. 
Within that recovery community, Pam was known for quotes, unquote, telling it like it is. She was a longtime abuser of narcotics and alcohol, and she had made dozens and dozens of questionable decisions in her life. The vast majority of them she was not proud of, but she was not known for shirking the truth. She didn't minimize the people she had hurt. She didn't diminish the relationship she had wrecked. She didn't downplay the costs of the damage that she incurred. And her stories were so outlandish in their atrocity that it was difficult to not be endeared to her. She didn't want to tell what she had to tell, but she knew that she had to tell the truth on herself if she was going to be able to let it go and to move forward into the future. And the way that she lived her life as a woman in her early 70s when she passed away inspired hundreds of people to come to our little chapel and take turns during her memorial telling the truth she used to tell on herself and telling their own too. I have never experienced a memorial like that ever before or ever since that had such a sense of joy and acceptance for telling the unvarnished truth. The one request that Pam had made at her funeral is that the congregation who was there would hear the entirety of Romans 8. That's the chapter in Romans that includes the passage that says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is also the chapter that holds the passage that says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know in all things, God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For in all these things, we are more than conquerors for him who loves us. Pam knew that telling the absolute truth on herself was not going to push away God's love. Sometimes, my friends, telling the absolute truth on ourselves is the most endearing thing that we can do. Nearly all of the time, telling the absolute truth on ourselves is what allows us to move forward into what's next in our lives without constantly carrying these bags and these secrets that we hope no one else will discover. It makes me think, how do you and me, how do we handle the truths, the hard truths in our lives? That's one thing. And the second thing is, as a community of faith, united by one spirit and by one hope, what are the absolute truths that we need to be telling about our history together?
if we want to move forward without shame and without fear into the future. I invite you this week to reflect on those stories that you need to tell in order to release in your own life. I encourage you this week to take courage and to share those stories with someone that you live life with. And then I encourage you to think about the stories, the truths in our history that maybe we don't like to tell, but maybe we have to tell if we're going to move forward into the future. And I encourage you to share those with one another and to share those with me and to continue to share them with God because, friends, while sometimes an exaggeration might be the thing that endears us to one another, nothing is as endearing as telling the absolute truth. Amen. You have been listening to a production of San Marino Community Church. Find our worship services on YouTube or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify.